Hey friends, it's Ann Eileen Thompson and welcome back to the Faith Driven Leader Podcast. You know, we're on a mission here on the Faith Driven Leader Podcast to equip and embolden one another towards a whole new level of trust in our Father God, our good Father God. We want to trust Him deeply in our lives and in our careers. And we love to share stories of incredible guests who are letting their faith drive their leadership in their lives and their businesses. And our guest today is Bart Hansen. Bart is a founding board member. He's the director of discipleship. He's a vice president on the leadership team, and he works on the speaking team at Wild at Heart Ministries. So some of you might have seen or read John Eldridge or Stacey Eldridge from Wild at Heart Ministries. This is a ministry that has had a profound impact on my life, on my career, on my marriage and really on my own understanding of my identity as a child of God. Bart is and has been since pretty much the beginning a key member of the team there at Wild at Heart. But before he made his career transition into ministry, Bart was a principal and a co-owner of a housing and commercial property developer in Southern California for about 25 years. He these days also sits on a couple of other boards, and he is madly in love with Tana, his bride of 44 years. You'll hear him talking a little bit about Tana during our conversation today. They have one son and a couple of grandkids as well. Lots of Bart's adventures have centered on his love for flying and his love for building. Bart has built and loves to build all kinds of things, whether it's a house or a workshop or an aircraft hangar. He actually took our Zoom call from his aircraft hangar, so we'll have to make sure to get you a picture of that. It was really fun. Or even the airplane in the aircraft hangar. But the building that really turns his crank the most for Bart is building the kingdom into the hearts of people. You are in for such a treat with this conversation. Bart and I talked about identity. We talked about affirmation. We talked about being seen by those we're close to and so much more. Here we go. Well, Bart Hansen, I have to tell you, I'm so honored to talk to you today. We were talking earlier about the legacy of the work that you've done and the work that Wild at Heart has done. It's been so influential in my life and my husband's life. So thank you for agreeing to chat with us today. You're welcome. And it's just a privilege to to have been asked and, and to engage in some conversation. And I look forward to our time. Awesome. At some point on this conversation too, you're going to have to tell us a little bit about your background there. We'll, we'll The background of your your Zoom okay. shot there sure. with it within your airport hangar. You'll have to tell us a little bit about that as we talk yeah. today. But but I'd love to start with just a story. I love hearing people's stories. Tell me a story about a time that your faith really impacted a decision that you needed to make in your leadership, in your business, in, in your ministry work. Tell us a time when your faith really played a role in that. Yeah, you know, I was living in Southern California and I was in my early 40s. I was in an ascent to assume a president's role in a an industry. It was a home builder's industry. I was in an ascent, and I'd just become president of the Home Builders Association in uh, Southern California. And uh, as I took over the role, and it was a one-year term, and uh, it's a great honor to be in that. And uh, it was a lot of people and uh, probably the largest chapter of that association in the country very, very active, lots of people, uh, lots of influential people. I came in and the executive installed a, um, a prayer, an invocation mm-hmm. at the beginning of the beginning of the time, because it, it historically had been there and it just kind of gone away. And 
Yeah. I've met a whole lot of resistance with that. And it really became an issue that I had a very strong conviction. I, I finally just said, hey, if you want someone else, go ahead and get them. But I, this is this is non-negotiable for me. It's what I want to do. So I did. And it, it turned out to be really an interesting time because throughout that year, I would have people of different faiths come and say, hey, why don't you, why, why are you doing this? And they would I'd say, well, if you want to come and pray, you can come and pray your prayer. And, yeah. and so we usually shut it down, but, but <laughs> I got so many positive conversations out of it, of people either appreciating it or became inquisitive about faith and that kind of thing. So that, that's one, that's one instance that kind of comes to mind. And I, I was kind of a young guy and, and uh, younger than most of the people that was, that were in, involved in the, in the association, but it was a it was a time that I just took an early stand, and I was glad I did that. I really love that story. When I ran the company that I was co-founder of, most recently before I before I started doing the podcasting and what I'm doing now, we did a Monday morning prayer meeting, and it, uh -huh. we made it optional. It was if you want to come, great. If you have a prayer request and you don't want to come, great. Sure. That's fine too. And if you want to come and stay silent on the call, that's fine. If you want to come sure. and participate and pray, that's great too. But just that presence. And it, for me, it was the reminder that my week is going to start off this way. Sure. Yeah. So I love that you did that. And to the, to the point of leadership, it's, it's like, it's the, it's the leader's prerogative and it's yeah. what he wants to do. Now the next leader comes and says, I, I choose not to do that. Okay. That's, that's good. Right. But to me, it was, it was, I wanted to exert my leadership in, in that way. And I, I knew there was some risk to it, but I think all in all, it was, it was a good experience and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Tell us a little bit, Bart, about your role at Wild at Heart over the past many years. You've been involved at Wild at Heart for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about your role. What do you, what do you do? From the very beginning and John and I had known each other previously for, I don't know, probably 10 years prior to that, uh, the, the starting of the ministry. And, and so when he asked me to come, it was actually as a board member at first. And, and so I kind of started out in that role, but it was, became apparent to John that he called me one day and says, Bart, I, I think you're supposed to be more than just a, a board member. And I want you to continue to do that and bring what your world is there. But he says, I think you're supposed to be part of this team. It was met with probably 10 to 15 years of when I was younger and my partner and I, we just said, you know, we, we want to have, we want to build the time margin in our company that somewhere down the road, we can choose to do what we want to do. We felt time was actually more valuable than money. Yeah. Uh, you have to have money in order to, to free your time, but but we felt time was the most valuable commodity. So I was looking ahead saying, at some point, I, I want to do something for the kingdom. And yeah. so when John had uh, had asked me that, it seemed quick and it seemed like, whoa, I thought I was going to be a, a lot <laughs> That horizon was somewhere off in the distance, but, but that's always the case. You always think it's going to be... Right. You know, it comes too quick. But but anyway, I really did. Um, I really did find that he asked me to do that. And he says, hey, Bart, I want you to come. And your son is just is just left. the. He's gone to college, went off to college and, and we're empty nesters. We only have one son. And 
He said, you and Tana just get in your airplane. And actually, this is a good time because I've flown this airplane almost 20 years in this ministry. Of oh, that's awesome. Going around the country, seeing our allies. And, you know, I've put thousands of hours on this airplane. And there are so many stories with this, which uh, even a crash. Oh, so, wow. So, but it, the, a lot of adventure is stacked behind me in that airplane in, yeah. in seeing people all over the country. But so, so yeah. John invites me, he says, I want you to come and do that and be a vice president of the, of the organization. We're, we're going to be small. And he says, I want you to be a part of the speaking team because I, th- I think you bring a perspective that, that we need. So yeah. that's kind of been my, kind of been my deal. I, I did that remotely from Southern California for 17 years and, about six years ago, Tana and I chose to move to Colorado Springs. Our son and daughter and, and daughter-in-law and, and three grandsons, they live here now. So we, we love living in the same city. So, but That's yeah, awesome. so I've kind of been there from the beginning. Yeah. Love this role. It's just been like, I don't know what day it is, you know? Yeah. And so that's, I just do ministry seven days a week, you know, and because it's not work to me, it's just, yeah. it's just the rhythm of my life. And, and yeah. John invited me into the greatest adventure I could have ever dreamed of. And so it's just been a delight. That's amazing. And, you know, I think about these adventures we get invited into and, and certainly, you know, the Lord orchestrates those, which right. is, which is just so cool. I, I was thinking about when people think about Wild at Heart and the organization and the ministry, they think about John mm-hmm. and they might think about Stacy too. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily think about you. They may not, many people may not know who you are. They don't know your name. And and right. yet you have played such an important role. And it's interesting. I know there are a lot of listeners and leaders out there who, you know, I've heard the concept leading from the second chair or leading from the back seat. And it can feel, I would imagine sometimes a bit lonely if you're not the one who everybody is celebrating sure. and you're not the one on the big stage. So tell us a little bit about how that has worked for you and both what you've done. And then also what are some of the things that you and John have created so that you both are clear in your lane, your lanes that you play in and, and how you work together that way? Yeah. Well, John has just given me a, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going on my 23rd year in this as we speak. And John was just very hands-off. And he said, Bart, I, I don't know about that part of the ministry world. And I said, John, I, I don't either. He says, well, you and God go figure it out, you know? And, <laughs> and I mean, simplistically, that that's what he said. But I mean, it's obviously he was more involved, but he's really given me just a pretty free reign during that time to do it. And so I operated pretty much in a silo in Southern California, remote in this. And Love that role, but I understood that you know John is John is the author. He's the voice, and um, I think I understood that from the beginning. As does I think all of the team, and uh, it's been he and Stacy's message for the most part. But we've been on the stage quite a bit with in in the context of our conferences and podcasting and and all of the things that we've we've exposed this ministry to to the constituency of our. Of, yeah. of people that that follow us and and I'm 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 actually quite surprised that you know I I I find that although I'm not on the stage that much that I've seen recognition that just really does surprise me yeah. but but it's it's kind of never been about that although you know we we all want to be recognized and I think that yeah. 
there's a healthy side of that and there's there's an unhealthy side of that. And and there, there's probably been some years that I felt the unhealthy side of that and had to struggle with that, especially being remote in Southern California. And yeah. uh, because I felt like I was I was a little isolated, but but all in all, it was an opportunity to grow and to surrender that and to know that I have a place in this ministry and that that it is important because yeah, just like in my, my business, my I always my partner and I were very, very close, still closer today than we've ever been. And and he supported me leaving. And and he just, you know, he said he told me when I left, he says, Bart, we're always partners. We've always talked about we want to do kingdom things together. And and we had investments and things like that. And Mark, my partner, he just says, hey, part of my contribution of this is, and, and to the kingdom is, is I'm going to manage our stuff and I'll I'll just take care mm-hmm. of it. I've got your back. Go do what God has called you to do. Wow. I, I love operating in partnerships that that I have a role and and it's defined. And, you know, sometimes it's high profile and most of the time it's it's in the background but i've grown into that even though there's been times when it has been a challenge just because of i think our carnality and in our walk with god yeah you know this is a topic i've been personally spending a lot of time with the lord on this topic of we so are wired to want the praises of man yes you know and and i believe that's god wired i believe that that you know he wired us with a need for affirmation and recognition it's the source of it that probably gets us right a little off track. And, and it was, it was interesting as I was reading about this and so literally I, and the Lord does this sometimes. I'm sure you've had stories like this where I'm, I'm reading about this. I'm studying about this kind of generally and a verse pops up in like my verse of the day in one of my apps or something it's from Romans. It says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. That's Romans. 14, 17. And then 18 says, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Yes. And it was just this shift for me of saying, wait a second, the first order of business is do what the Lord's called me to do. And then I'll get recognition. And I think, especially if you're sitting in the second chair, right, right. you got to keep that in mind. Yes. And, 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 and there's been so many times that in, in those 23 years that I'll that Tana and and I are in my airplane and we're in the Northeast or we're in, you know, the Florida or Texas or, you know, who knows where. And we get to experience some of the coolest things. N- nobody ever sees it except, except us. Yeah, but, right. but I, I learned to say that, that we're going to enjoy that in the kingdom. Those moments will, will be replayed in the kingdom for everyone to see. So, you know, I think there's a there's a big stage waiting for all of us. So, some of us are on on a bigger stage now, and 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 some of us are uh, you know and and more in the background. And I'm just I'm privileged to to be where I am. Although, like you say, it's a human struggle. Yeah, beautifully. It's a healthy process to I think go through and walk with. God. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So here's another question I was thinking about when I was planning to talk to you. I realized so much of what wild at heart does mm-hmm. for men and for women is is really about helping people to walk in their identity as men and women. Yes. And and I know I've been personally impacted by retreats and the books and the teaching and the podcasts and things like that and in really understanding and walking in my identity. 
tell us a story, Bart, for you personally about a time maybe when the Lord kind of revealed something about where you weren't fully walking in your identity <laughs> and tell us about how you walked that out. That's a pretty big topic in my life and in, <laughs> in, in my story, because when I came to this, you know, I grew up in West Texas in, in a very fundamental church and I checked all the boxes, but I had, I was totally clueless of what the gospel was. Mm. And, um, it wasn't until I was 29 years old in Southern California that I, I came to know what the gospel really was. I, I went to California and that's, that's my spiritual roots. Go figure a guy from West Texas, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and it was, it was just, um, at that part of my life, falling in, into the understanding of the gospel was just, it was like a fire hydrant trying to drink out of. Yeah. But, but what I discovered is, is there was a lot of growth for me in terms of, of understanding scripture and all of that. But there was an identity crisis that, that I had that I carried into this ministry. And that, that was, is, and it, and it really goes back to my, I think my relationship with my father is, and it, it wasn't necessarily what he intended, but it's the way the enemy can spin things to make yeah. it look. And, and, and so my, my whole thing was, is I'm only as valuable as hard as I can work. So mm-hmm. I've always had a very, very strong work ethic, which is a good thing, but it could be a very toxic thing. Yeah. And in my case, it was very toxic. And so yeah. my identity was was really how much can I do? How much work can I perform? And and so when when I came into this ministry, it hit these guys that and, and that's what I love about this this team is they're people and we love each other and we see each other, we trust each other, and but we go after each other's hearts. And yeah, they begin to see that. My identity was attached to that kind of thing. And so they would go out of their way to make sure that I couldn't do things that I thought I needed to do in order to get the affirmation. And it was very, very disruptive. Yeah. It was very disruptive to my to my soul and to my heart because they were introducing a thing as, no, Bart, you're here because we love you. Mm. And that concept of love is something that, you know, my, my parents did love me, but, but I didn't feel that I really felt that in order to earn my dad's respect, I had to work hard. And man, that's got a, a very toxic thing through my, I used to lie about my age in order to get on demolition crews. And I just wanted to prove that I was a strong young man and could work really, really hard. And my dad affirmed that not knowing that it was just a very, very corrosive and toxic thing in my, so I think, yeah, just my identity of, of not being a beloved son, that, that concept has taken me a while. And I still, I still, there, there's still room in that for me to grow a lot as I'm at the age of 72 years old, that I am a beloved son and, and it, it's not what I do. It's not what I perform which we know the, the works gospel is is corrupt. Yeah. I think you're hitting on an identity crisis that a lot of high capacity leaders mm-hmm. have built their success on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? That yeah, I, I, I'm known because I can do all the work. I can get oh, it all yeah. done. And when I came to Christ, I came to Christ, uh, that part of, uh, you know, uh, my faith issue was that that was all 
you know, salvation issue was was all that that's put away and so forth. But the thing is, is my identity was wrapped around performance. And so I just volunteered for so many things at the church that I didn't do and I, I shouldn't have been involved with and and became an elder at a very young age. And and I did that and and I just sanctified all of that. And when it was really just very much brokenness in my identity. Can we dig on this a little bit more? Sure. So I think there's probably people Maybe listening. tobacco. It's a pretty deep <laughs> it is. I know it's deep. But I think I think there are probably people listening who maybe something is stirring in them when they hear you talk about this. I, I have two follow-ups. The first one is, you ever heard Jeff Foxworthy say, you might be a redneck if dot, dot, dot. You ever heard that comedian? Oh, I haven't, I haven't heard okay. that. He's maybe a comedian. I... He's a yes. Midwestern comedian. He talks he, and he makes silly jokes about, you might be a redneck if, and he makes some <laughs> kind of joke. So, but my, but my, th- what I'll tie that to is what are the things that somebody might be able to observe in themselves that might be a clue that they're having a similar identity crisis as what you went through. You mentioned one already. You might be volunteering at all the things at church, but not really in them and and looking for the recognition of that. You might be, what are some of the other symptoms that you see showing up, especially for leaders who maybe are struggling with this identity crisis, but haven't yet haven't yet named it? I think people who want to please and they're really bent on being people pleasers and, and that kind of thing. So obviously, I think when, when you want to please someone, you're looking for affirmation as you please them. That's a really big one. But it's it's just, I think, just the search for validation in what is it that that you're looking for that makes you feel secure and makes you feel like you're worthy of something is uh, what, what is the validation point? What's the question of validation that people are, you're seeking? Is it, is it validation mm-hmm. through, like I said, it's, it could be through work. It could be through just maybe it's like through your, through your work or even through your accomplishments or your title. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. T- yeah. Title is, is a big, is a big thing. If I just had that title, then I, I feel like I've arrived and I feel like I've got validation in that. That's a, that's a, that's a real big one. I think just given authority uh, sometimes is validation and not being a team player, but I, I have to be the leader. I have to be the center of attention. Those, those kinds of things, I think all play into that. Those are so good. I was, I was also thinking about when I hear people say, well, I can't not do this thing. I can't, let somebody else take care of this. I can't take time off. I can, and whatever I hear that I can't. Yes. That right. to me is is a little bit of a signal to say wait a second is it that you can't or that you won't and if you won't why is yes. there something under there and it, it always brings me back to am I just not trusting yes that I'm that I'm a beloved son or daughter because if I was I, I remember in scripture, it says, come to me like the little children. Well, when I was a little kid, I didn't think, oh, well, I have to be the one to take care of this. Yes. I didn't operate that way. I operated as if I had a loving father. And that really jumps into the uh, the whole the whole area of, you know, high control people that just say, yeah. I, I have to be in control or that's where my validation is, is, is I cannot be in a situation where I am not in control. Yeah. So good. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. But before I go there, 
how do you stay connected to the Lord? What are some of your rhythms that allow you to stay connected and grounded and abiding in him? That's a thing that I'm, I'm continuing to grow in. I think the, the first category is, and I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, what's the most valuable commodity that in that we have? It's not money, but it's time. Time. So you've got to allocate the time. You've got to find the time. You've got to find the time margin in, in order to be with God. And I find that I can hear I the, the whole thing of hearing the voice of God, not not audibly, but through the Holy Spirit as as he would direct us. That is a function of me giving time with God with questions of him. That that's how I hear from God. If I've got a a, a big question that's that I'm seeking, I usually yeah. pray about that before I go to bed at night. And it's 60 plus percent of the time that I'll wake up in the night and man, he's just speaking away. Wow just downloading to me. I'm, I'm kind of a light sleeper and because of some neurological issues I have. But so w- when that happens, I usually just kind of jump up and I've got a pad there and and I'll record that because if I don't, I'll wake up the next morning and say, what was that? It was really, yeah. really remember what that was. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think it's given time with God. I think some solitude is very, very key to me to have some time alone, just to contemplate, to read scripture. I'm not an avid reader, but when I find things that I really do enjoy to read that are spiritually, they seem, they seem to feed me. But, you know, I've got, I've got an old Bible that's just, it's, it's just like an old dog. It's just a ragged, <laughs> of leather. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what I go to bed with. And uh, yeah. I don't know, I guess it's kind of akin to your teddy bear when you were young. It's, is I've got my old ragged Bible and it's always close by hand. And, and so, you know, it's, it's sometimes during the day that I really do. I just grab that thing because there's a thought and I, I pursue it. Another thing that, that I've done is, is, uh, and this has happened at the ministry is the pause app. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes, I have that, but tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Wild at heart. It's, it's a time that uh, it's an app that's, it's a free app that you get and man, it's gone viral around the world. And uh, we've got several voices on there that really do just help you to pause, center yourself in God, and you can program it where it'll you'll get a notification in, on your on your cell phone that uh, like ten in the morning or two in the afternoon it'll just give a notification and just you know you get the discipline of if I possibly can I'm just going to stop pause for a minute or two and he's got one minute pauses three minute pauses five ten and. And uh, then he's he's got some a lot of devotional material in there that goes for ten minutes and man it's just a rich experience and like I say I'm I'm sometimes a light sleeper and if I'm not sleeping I'll just put on a ten minute thing and and uh, usually I'll go to sleep before the end of the ten minute goes but if I make it to the end it's always a rich experience for me so there, I mean there's so many helpful things I think yeah. mentioned apps on your phone and there's so many helpful things in in the tech side that that really do help us to carve out some time. But I think time is the, is the most important category and the most, the most valuable commodity that we have in our life, because, you know, a a, a minute that's gone by, you can't recover it. It's irrecoverable. It's so interesting because if I tie that back to the conversation we were just having about, you know, I get value from the work I get done. Yes. It oftentimes we find it the hardest Mm -hmm. to carve out that time. Yes. 
I love the pause app. Mine goes off at 930 in the morning and 330 in the afternoon. Nice. And the most valuable thing about it for me as a leader has been just the reminder that I don't have responsibility for everyone and everything. Yes. Right. And, and just that simple, oh, wait a second, all the stuff that I've started to carry on my shoulders, I can give it back to God. Yes. Right. And even taking that little bit of time, but mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who say, I don't, I don't have time. And I, and I go back to them and ask, well, you know, th then where is it that you're not trusting the Lord? Cause yes. right. there's probably something you're doing that you could put down. That, that's right. Not willing, that's, not that's willing to put it down. And so yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. When, when you look back at your younger years, Bart, mm -hmm. what do you wish you would have known as a Christian leader in your younger years? What do you wish you would have known that you know now? It does tie in with the story that I've just told you, but it's, I, I think it's, you know, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the wellsprings of life. Mm. And that, I mean, that verse speaks so much to what I missed in the first 20 years of my, of my walk with God is I was living out of duty obligation, service, rather than heart, you know, mm. and, and desire. I just, I thought desire was something that was kind of on the carnal side. I didn't know how to handle that, didn't know how to handle my heart. But uh, another favorite verse is Psalm 37, 37, 4, that says, delight therefore in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. And so, yeah those two verses have kind of guided me as a compass in coming out of a, a duty and, and service and obligation of, of my faith towards living out of my true heart and desire, because there's no difference. I mean, I mean, there's, there's all the difference in the world between living out of those two things out of, yeah. out of obligation and service and that versus walking in a loving relationship with God. And he's saying, you're my beloved son or daughter, and I love what who you are and what you do. See, there's the affirmation that yeah, true. That's the identity that lets us be exactly who we are. Yeah. I love that. And I, and the, the, the truth that it's, it's not I, so many, I think, especially high capacity folks that I've talked to, they push down their desires. Yes. Because they feel like that's selfish or right. to your point, it's carnal somehow. When the reality is, I mean, scripture is very clear. God plants desires in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus and, says it was for freedom that I came to set you free. And when Jesus, when you, it's an interesting thing to walk through the New Testament and all of the all of the interactions that Jesus had with people, the polarity of almost every one of those was freedom and bondage. He was speaking to freedom and bondage. And he was in, in the, he's there to set us, to free us from the bondage, to give us the, the freedom. And so, you know, we really get that tangled up in a, in a bad way and, and start running from it. And then we start chasing our validation through. It's what we do. It's so what we do for the kingdom. It's 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 all of that rather than you know just being in the arms of the father and and being a, his beloved son or daughter. Right, right. Oh, 
so, so, so good. So good. You know, Bar, I don't usually end the podcast this way, but I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do this. Would you pray for the folks who are listening, who are having this identity crisis, this conversation with them has stirred something in their heart and they're recognizing I'm getting all of my value and my worth from my work and for how much I'm getting done. Would you just would you close us out by praying for those folks and speaking a blessing over them? I'd be delighted, Ann. I'd be delighted. So Jesus, we do. We we just come and we bow before you and um and and we we just come into your presence and we want to be who you made us to be. And so God, we there's so there's so many things in this world that that want to corrupt who you have made us to be, who that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, as John 10, 10 says, but but you have come that that we may have life and have it to the full. That that verse just explains so much of the world that we live in. That one verse. But God, you you love us because you made us and you, you don't love us because of what we do, of of who we are. I, I think it's it's sometimes healthy that when we're in a conversation with people that we're all just chimney sweeps. And that way it's you know, everybody's on the same plane in terms of the identity of what they do and not who they are, because you love us for who we are. And so God, we we want to walk in that and not walk in the obligation of what it is that we have to do in order to get that affirmation. So Jesus, come and let us take our identity as your beloved sons and daughters. And from that, we grow in, in the umbrella and in the, in the action of your love and not out of the obligation of what we think we have to do that, that is the corrupted gospel. So Jesus, bring us, bring us the purity of that unconditional love, unconditional love that you love us. And so, Jesus, help us to walk into that identity. And uh, we pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Hmm. Thank you again for joining us today. So much wisdom, so much heart in what you shared. And I know that people are going to be deeply impacted by this conversation. Thank you, Ann. It was a pleasure. Wow. What a conversation that was. What a blessing that was. I don't know how many of you out there are just recognizing that performance or your work is how you've been identifying yourself, but this same identity crisis that Bart talked about really has been an ongoing one for me, one that I consistently need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to lead me out of on a pretty regular basis. So I was just so blessed by our time with Bart. Here are a couple of my specific takeaways. The first one is really about intentionality. Right at the beginning of the conversation, Bart talked about intentionally building in a regular Monday morning prayer time. Even though some people on his team didn't like it, he recognized that as a leader, he wanted to be intentional about his faith. And then later in the conversation, when Bart was talking about how he stays connected with the Lord, he he talked again about this idea of intentionality. You know, making time for God takes intentionality. If you want to hear from God and be connected with Him, you're going to have to be intentional and give it proactive thought and follow through. That's really what it means to be intentional, proactive thought and follow through. 
Otherwise, the reality is the day and our calendars, they just seem to take over. So intentionality is really key to abiding in the Lord. Second point is really this whole topic of affirmation. Friends, I cannot talk about this topic enough. If we want to know where our stress and our anxiety are coming from, if we want to know where our hurt feelings and our frustrations are coming from, if we want to know where burnout comes from, we got to look at where we're getting our affirmation, where are we getting our validation? Bart talked about his identity crisis when he realized that he was getting his affirmation and his validation from the amount of work he was doing. His value was being defined by his work. Work and other people are actually not the definers of our value. Work is good. Yes, it is good. And and I believe the praises and the affirmation of others is a human need. But when our work and the opinion of others about our work is the barometer of our own self-talk, it's a pretty significant warning sign. If you are feeling anxious, burnt out, frustrated, angry at your work, I, I really want to encourage you to consider whether you might be defining yourself, valuing yourself by the quantity or even the quality of the work you do. And I want you to consider inviting the Holy Spirit to help you rethink that. Friends, if you got nothing else done today or this week or this month, your value to the Creator would not change. If you don't believe that to your core, I really want to encourage you to keep working on it. Keep reading his word. Keep spending time with him. Let him show you how much he loves you. It'll change you. And you'll begin to feel real fruit and see real fruit in your life. And believe it or not, in your career. Okay, <laughs> let me get off my soapbox for a minute now. Let me take a deep breath here. Third takeaway. Bart talked about pushing down the desires of our heart. You know, when we really understand how God wired us with desires and dreams in our heart purposely woven into our souls, there's great freedom. And Bart reminded us of the proverb, Proverbs 4:23, that says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the wellsprings of life. He tied that to his recognition that early in his career, he didn't know how to handle the desires of his heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight therefore in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. Like, like many of us, Bart recalled that his compass for deciding what to invest his time in was one that came out of duty and obligation rather than out of love and understanding that the desires of our hearts are of utmost importance to the Lord. You know what? High capacity folks tend to push down their desires, mostly because I think we believe that they're carnal. We believe that they're evil. But the reality is the Bible is clear that God has planted desires in our hearts and he actually wants us to walk in them. So my challenge for you and for me today is this, consider what you believe your value is. How do you decide whether you've had a good day or not? Is it correlated to the amount of work or the quality of work that you got done? Or do you believe that your value is connected to your work? It's okay if you do. Most of us struggle to really understand that we're valuable just because we are. Imagine if you have kids or nieces or nephews, whether you would feel that they were any less value, valuable because they took a nap today or because they played all day long, it probably wouldn't change their value. In fact, it might even endear you to them, endear them to your heart a little bit, watching them rest and play. It's kind of, kind of sweet when you watch a kid rest and play. So if you recognize that you struggle with this whole bucket of where your value comes from, I wanna encourage you to do those things, to play, to rest, 
to dream and then to ask God to show you the desires of your heart and then to receive that he really is pleased with you. He values you. He loves you just because you are. Who do you know that would be inspired or equipped by today's episode? Would you consider sharing it with them? It'd be a blessing to them and it would be a blessing to us as well. Well, thank you again to the wise Bart Hansen for joining us today. We'll chat with you next time on The Faith Driven Leader.